Welcome to Millennial Wisdom, a listener's journey with powerful insights about your work and your life. And now, here's your host, consultant, coach, and best-selling author, Dr. Jennifer Wisdom. Hi there, I'm Dr. Jennifer Wisdom, and welcome to another episode of Millennial Wisdom where we talk with millennials about what's going on in their lives and the things that they are doing that are absolutely amazing. I am thrilled to have with us today, Fernando Flores. Get a load of this. He's the founder of Health and Wellness University. He's also an attorney, author, high performance coach, speaker, and podcaster. Holy cow. Welcome, Fernando. (laughs) Dr. Wisdom, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Thanks. My pleasure. And we're so excited to have you here. So you always want to start with, tell us your story. Tell us, how did you get to doing what you're doing now? All these wonderful things. <laughs> Definitely. You know, I, I think for me, the, the best starting point is, you know, right, right after I, I, I finished law school and I started and I got into the, the profession, right? The legal profession. And this was back in 2007. Uh, so it's, it's been over a decade, you know, and I, I went into the profession and what ended up happening for me was there was a limited emphasis in the way that I took care of myself. There was a limited emphasis in how I nourished the human me. And what happened for many years for the probably first seven to eight years of that journey as, as a professional, right? I worked in environments that were very fast paced, high stress, you know, very quick turnaround, tight deadlines. And for many, many years, I led with the professional identity that I had developed for myself, which in my situation was that of an attorney. Right? Yes. And for, for, you know, for many of us, that professional identity can look many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that ended up happening in, in 2015, 2016, a couple of family members, as a result of heart disease, had back-to-back deaths. And so that was incredibly challenging to go through. I'm sorry. That was, no, thank you. And to me, that was a very powerful wake-up call. Like, what am I doing to take care of myself, to take ownership of the ways in which and the level to which I developed the highest amount of fulfillment in my life, the highest amount of well-being and joy. And so I really decided to turn things around at that point. And the reason being because I started to pay attention to my habits in a way that I hadn't before and really become self-aware. And what I saw when I just turned that mirror on myself and looked at it in a genuine way, I didn't sleep well. I was under very high levels of stress that I didn't manage effectively because in our curriculum, you know, as, as uh, we get prepared to become attorneys, we don't get taught that. No one tells you that stuff. <laughs> talk about that. And in addition to that, I would, you know, go to a happy hour and it was Thursday. And then I'd go to another happy hour on Friday. So I was, I was drinking consistently. I wasn't exercising consistently and I wasn't eating very healthy. And mm-hmm. so what I did was for the first time, I committed myself to myself by exercising twice a week. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I, I really want to do this regardless of what, you know, 
case assignment, trial, appellate argument, you know, whatever I had to do, it, it didn't matter. I want to commit to two days a week. And I stuck with that. And over the years, I added an extra day. So it became three days a week. And another, you know, good amount of months passed by and it became four days a week, which ultimately led me to my current routine of five days a week of exercise, right? Yes. And I consistently stay with it, right? Like, it's just a habit that my mind, my spirit needs in order to really bring my best self to whatever I do every day, right? And in the course of those years, you know, that one habit snowballed into me paying attention to another habit. I was like, you know what? I, I, I want to start eating healthier, you know? And so let me, let me explore a little bit of that. Also, you know what? I want to reduce alcohol. And so now, you know, after switching habits and negotiating habits within myself and letting go of the ones that didn't serve me and adopting new ones that were healthier, you know, I, I, I stopped drinking and mm-hmm. uh, I, I started eating a vegan diet exercise five days a week. And I really wanted to share this with others. And, you know, I figured, well, what better way than to start a platform that can bring the best and brightest minds around the most cutting edge health and well-being information, and really just bring all that together. And hence, that's why I started Health and Wellness uh, University. Love it. Love it. And how's Health and Wellness University going? It's going great. You know, I, I launched it three and a half years ago. In we, you know, we had our very first conference in 2018, and we had a total of five speakers in that first conference. And it, it, it's an annual conference. Well, it was an annual conference. And what ended up happening this year, we had 12 speakers back in, well, in, in 2020, we went virtual, right, for obvious reasons. And we had 12 speakers, and we had so many folks interested in coming to speak at the conference that we had to do two conferences now. So each year, wow. we have four speakers now from just, you know, five speakers that we started in 2018. Because there's so many people that have so much knowledge and insight. And the wonderful thing is that all the conferences from 2018, we have them housed now for people to access, you know, and purchase, of course, right? But whenever they want that information, if they want to reach, you know, our mission is to help others reach optimal levels of health and wellness. If they ever want to get access to that, it all now lives in Health and yeah. Wellness University. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I have some questions. I have sure. some follow-up questions sure. for you. Yeah, so yeah. one is, I love that you said, or you didn't, quite say it like this, but you started slow when you realized you wanted to make a change, started slow and built on it. What was that process like? And was it hard to kind of keep building better? Did you ever want to backslide? Did you ever, I assume like everyone you've at some point you didn't want to get out of bed to do that third day a week. (laughs) Tell us what that was like. You know, that's such a wonderful and nuanced piece of what I shared that you, you, you caught right there. Cause that's, probably the one thing that we all struggle with the most, which is meeting ourselves where we are, right? And so if I had gone from zero days exercising to five days exercising, that wouldn't have worked for me because based on my schedule, based on my time, it wasn't a habit, a muscle, you know, figuratively and literally that I can flex that consistently. And so what I said was like, you know what, right now I can do two days a week. 
one day sometime Monday through Friday and then another day in the weekend. Uh-huh. Let me meet myself where I am so that I can learn to establish this as a long-term habit, right? And, and it, you know, as a high-performance coach, it's part of what I do. I, I talked about negotiating habits with myself, but I'm, I'm really like a habit negotiator with my clients. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. let's talk habits, you know, like, you know, which are your habits right now? Meet yourself where you are. If you want to switch, just what would you want to switch? And more importantly, why would you want to switch it? So the other piece was, all right, why did I want to start exercising two days a week? And I had to really answer that. I was like, you know what? Because I'm worth it because I want to be healthier and I want to commit to something that matters to my yes. life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it's a way of, of showing myself self-love, right? And I, I wanted to own that. And I wanted to really show myself that in a way that I hadn't done so before. So that, you know, question that, again, that you asked is so, there's really a lot more behind it. It wasn't just like, oh, you know, like I, I started to do it and it was all perfect after that. Like not at right. all. So there were times where I missed my two days a week completely. There were times where it was only, you know, two days really looked like one day, you know? And so, but the thing that I did was I, I didn't, I stopped berating myself for falling, you know, falling off the rails or, or not, you know, sticking to it in the way that I, I, I envisioned, right? It was okay to fail. It was okay to fall. It was okay to falter. And in those times when that happened, I was much more compassionate with myself than I had ever been before. And that ultimately led to my success in sticking with it long-term. And now, you know, what happened during the pandemic was, it was incredibly difficult to get up in the first few months of the pandemic because there was so yes. much underlying, emotional, <laughs> yes. right? There was so much emotional adjustment that had to happen because new fears crept in, new worries and concerns. And so my whole being was adjusting to that, that it was difficult to get up at my usual time and the routine that I had built. And so I'd get up a lot later and then my, exercise routine looked very different from home. I had like virtually no equipment here. And also it was very short. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to that principle from when I first started, be compassionate, 15 minutes counts. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times what we do is like, oh, how am I gonna go work out, you know, for 10, 15 minutes? Like it's not the usual one hour that I'm accustomed to. So it's not even worth it, but no, it is. It is worth it, right? That's how you flex your habit muscle. Show up in those moments that feel difficult, even if it's just for a little bit, you know? And so that's that's my answer to that. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. And we hear so often, and I have been guilty of this myself, of saying, I want to do this thing that's gonna make me feel better because I'm worth it, because of self-love. I, I wanna care for myself. And then when I don't do it perfectly, I then start beating up on myself and berating myself, which is not consistent with self-love. So I really, I really like what you said about that and how the whole process, not just the activity you're doing of exercising, but the whole thing needs to be full of love and compassion. So another question for you, I noticed that when you were talking about your habits while you were working in the law office around not sleeping enough as much as you wanted to, and about drinking maybe more than you wanted to, or spending more time out messing around instead of focused on whatever, you didn't say those were bad habits. You said they didn't serve you. And I'm really interested in that sense of 
many of us are taught, you know, there's good food and bad food. There's good things to do that which are healthy and there's bad things to do, which are unhealthy, but you're not putting a judgment on them. You're just saying neutral judgment. They just don't serve me. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, so that's a really powerful question because over time, right. I didn't always have this perspective, but over time, what I also realized, it wasn't just about, you know, taking care of my physical body through nutrition, through, Mm -hmm. you know, going to the basics, exercise, water, adequate sleep, right? Those are the basics. You, you, you learn to manage those and, you know, and cheers, Dr. Wisdom. I see you drinking water. Yes. (laughs) A little water break for both of us right there. So, Mm -hmm. um, you go back to those basics and you master those and, and they can help you tremendously, right? But for me, one of the biggest pieces was I learned that I had a big blind spot. Growing up, you know, I was actually taught, you know, not to experience my whole spectrum of emotions. As a young male, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. well, don't cry, you know, be a, be, be a man and, you know, and, you know, don't, don't express your anger. And so that was... To me, I realized later on in life, a limiting factor that caused me to have a big emotional well-being blind spot, right? Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, it was another piece of my holistic health and well-being that I went all in on. And I moved away from seeing emotions as, oh, that's a good emotion and that's a bad emotion. Mm -hmm. And, And then when you look at one piece that way, you kind of move away from seeing things in general and this dichotomy of good and bad. And so for me, we all have a little bit of good in us and we all have a little quote bad in us, you know, like if, if you want to use that term, right? Sure. In no way, shape or form am I coming to your listeners with this sense of perfection. Sure. Not at all, right. I, I'm far from perfect. And so when, when we talk about the habits serving us, I, for a long time, didn't have the ability to process difficult emotions. I didn't have the ability to sit with difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have the, the fortitude, the resilience, the grit to experience challenging emotions, right? Again, not good or bad, just mm-hmm. challenging emotions. But when I realized that, and I learned to do that with myself, right? And be compassionate with myself. And I built that fortitude and that, that grit. I realized, you know what? Because I had that inability, alcohol served me. The habit right. of alcohol served uh-huh. me to help me work through that in a way that was really by not working through that and just numbing myself and drowning my heart, you know, in a way mm-hmm. that didn't... Uh, caused me to have to deal with those certain emotions. And so even though, you know, it's alcohol, right? Like it served me in some way during those years in my life. And so- Yeah, I I would argue if I can jump in, I would imagine that a lot of the things that we're doing right now in our lives, whether they're healthy or quote, not healthy, they are serving us in some ways. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Okay, keep going. No, no, (laughs) no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, And so- and so for me, what I, what I just realized was like, okay, you know what, I just started looking at everything in that way. Like, okay, what are the habits that are serving me and which ones are not, which ones do I want to do more of, do less of, you know, and then also what emotions do I want to foster in my life day to day? 
you know, which ones serve me, uh-huh. which ones are not serving me as much anymore. And so right. that's why I framed it in that way. Yeah, I love it. I Oh, that is so powerful. And I, I hope that listeners are picking up on this as well around identifying what so doesn't need judgment. Is it, is it serving you or is it not serving you and how to move forward with it? That's great. The third thing that I noticed from what you were saying that I also loved and want to ask a how-to question. You said that as you were moving through changing your workout patterns and changing your eating patterns and ultimately changing your, your job and your profession, that you really paid attention to how you feel. Mm-hmm. How, how do people do that? How do you do that? Like if someone was, is asking, I'm asking now, like tell no. our listeners, like, how do you learn to pay attention to how you feel when maybe you've spent other time numbing yourself or not paying attention or distracting yourself or using any of the number of things that we humans do to try to not pay attention to how we feel. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, the most important work that any of us can do in our lifetime, really, at, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, which is working on self-awareness. And, you know, just to give your listeners a little bit of context, you know, emotional intelligence really is our ability to recognize, it's our ability to understand our emotions. It's developing the ability to then process and manage our emotions, right? And so, you know, stress, anxiety, fear, worry, concern, sadness, depression, all of these are a combination and subsets of emotions. So right now, as, as your listeners are tuning in to this episode, And as you and I continue to talk, we are all exchanging, whether we realize it or not, there's this undercurrent of emotions that we are exchanging. And, you know, for me, I feel excited to be here. I feel happy, joyful, Uh you know, you're in, you have like, you know, a lot of curiosity and more questions, right? Your listeners are probably experiencing similar emotions, curiosity, interest, excitement, or some might be, okay, this is kind of boring. This guy's just talking, you know? (laughs) But boredom is also an doubtful. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever it is that whoever is listening, uh-huh. they are experiencing some set of emotions. And mm-hmm. for many of us, if we don't pay attention to this undercurrent of emotions, you know, we will go through life, you know, being someone who is in that ocean of emotions without really learning how to surf mm-hmm. those ways that come at us of emotions right and so one of the first things that you can do is you know as by profession one of the things that i do a lot is ask questions so ask yourself this question why do i feel what i feel when i feel it i'll say it again why do i feel what i feel when i feel it and i became passionate about asking myself that every single day every single day. And, um, and then it became a thing where I was asking it multiple times a day. Uh-huh. Right. And so you take a scenario of, okay, you know, a, a manager, a supervisor gives you some feedback that is uh, three pieces of feedback and it's negative, negative, negative. Right. And you feel sad, maybe a little anxious about the way that the feedback was given and upset and hurt. Right. I mean, any one of those emotions on its own is difficult to go through, but now you're feeling them all in combination. And if you are not aware of that, then 
what can happen is you might react and either say something in that meeting or maybe send an email that is a reaction to that information that you were given. Well, I highly disagree with this, but if you're aware of those emotions, you will sit with them, work through them, and then instead of reacting, figure out a response. So why is it that you, what are you feeling? That's one of the parts of that question. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel what I feel when I feel it? Usually the when do you feel it is the easier because you can pinpoint an event, a circumstance where you feel certain emotions. So we identify the what do you feel, right? Those sets of emotions, uh, upset, hurt, maybe a little bit anxious. When do you feel that when you're giving feedback in a way that's not constructive, right? right. Why do you feel it? That's where the, a lot of the work comes in, right? right? Sometimes you can figure that out yourself. Sometimes I had to go to therapy sessions to figure that out because I needed support, right? And sometimes, again, it's an individual thing that you can do, or sometimes you bring that to your therapy sessions, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was a combination of, of both that helped me gain awareness. And it was just like awareness all day, every day, you know, yeah. <laughs> just developing, 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 developing it. And the, the real power then starts coming when you are able to, in the moment, see and experience and manage those emotions. And so over time, right? I mean, it's taking me years and I'm still learning, right? But over time, you will be able, right, to see those emotions that you are experiencing much more clearly, much more quickly, and also become more empowered because you won't be shaken by the emotions. Mm -hmm. You'll be guided by them. You know, I had this beautiful conversation you know, I don't know, a couple months ago with, with my wife actually about how, how she, she felt shame as a result of a particular interaction. And it was just so beautiful to talk about how even a difficult emotion like shame guides us. It's like, oh, sometimes we feel guilt or shame because we're accustomed to living a certain set of values that we care about and we're just falling off of them. And we just want to come back to that. And it's our own internal, you know, spiritual, emotional well-being that's telling us, you know, get back on track, you know? And yeah. so even then learning to embrace difficult emotions like that can be really empowering. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I can't help but notice that when you think about identifying what's not serving you, starting slow and building up the changes, and then really paying attention to how you feel, this is a fantastic process and it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why shouldn't people just, you know, watch TV and chill? Like why, why should people do this? Well, I think, you know, we, it depends on what you, you believe, but we have this one lifetime, you know, at least, at least in this body, right. And in this mind and this heart. And for me, the best way that I can describe the importance of this work is self-love is really important, but just as if not more important is self-acceptance. And so this really leads you to a place where you're able to accept your perfectly imperfect self. And the more that you can learn to manage challenging situations, acknowledging that the hurt that somebody's putting on the table is not something that you have to pick up or something that you need to make your own 
or the fact that somebody misdirected their emotions at you has absolutely nothing to do with you. Learning to realize some of those things really helps you live a more fulfilled life. And who doesn't want to live a more fulfilled life that isn't guided by external factors of you know, people telling you what's beautiful or what isn't. You are beautiful. You are, you know, just an incredible being, whether you choose to accept that or not. You know, there's this beautiful light within all of us. And some of us will get to see that light in our lifetime. Others may not. And so this path, I feel, helps you at least have a chance at seeing your light and more importantly, sharing it with others. Oh, I love it. I love it. Fernando, this is amazing. Uh, For people who want to reach out to you and get in touch, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, just visit uh, healthandwellness.university. And there's no .com or anything. It's just healthandwellness.university. And our contact information is there, phone number, email. uh, But you you can also email us at healthandwellnessuniversity at gmail.com. And you know, if, if you're interested in going to one of our conferences, we, you know, we actually have one at the end of January. If anybody, uh, we have them at the end of January and in August. So twice a year now, starting in, in, in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Super awesome. And, you know, we're really focusing on the self because it's hard for us to give from an empty cup. And so mm-hmm. if all the media channels were to give you messages of self-acceptance, you know, the, the capitalist system wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And so what I'm trying to do is share that self-acceptance Yeah. And, and, and show folks how to do that. And, you know, this is, this, this is part of it, right? Like, like connecting with, with leaders like yourself and yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. Fernando Flores, founder of Health and Wellness University, attorney, author, high performance coach, speaker, and podcaster, and who knows what else. And I would say also spectacular human being. Thank you so much for being here, Fernando. Thank you, Dr. Wisdom. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, thank you. This has been great. So check us out. Check out the other Millennial Wisdom episodes for the podcast. We're in season two now, which is super exciting. Check us out at leadwithwisdom.com and check out some of our Millennials Guides. We have Millennials Guides to Management and Leadership, Millennials Guide to Work, and Millennials Guide to Relationships. Plenty of stuff. Whatever you're looking for, we got some help for you. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thanks. You've been listening to Millennial Wisdom, a listener's journey with powerful insights about your work and your life with consultant, coach, and best-selling author, Dr. Jennifer Wisdom. For more information about the work Dr. Jennifer Wisdom is doing, visit leadwithwisdom.com. Millennial Wisdom is sponsored by Millennials Guides Books, available where books are sold and at millennialsguides.com.